Good afternoon, my fellow Star Wars fans. To all of my Sith brothers and sisters, purebloods, cultists, rebel scum on the run. Welcome to another episode of My Life on Exegol. My Life on Exegol, for those of you who are new in town, is my little One Sith Lord Ran podcast. No frills, no bullshit. Kind of serves as a journal of my journey through a galaxy far, far away. I like to talk about certain aspects of Star Wars, particularly the comics and my journey through reading. My journey with Star Wars tattoos, for I am up to 17 out of 20 that are Star Wars related. Mostly sequel, but almost all entirely dark side with the exception of the two Lothcats and Imperial Chopper. Even though I'd like to tell myself because it helps me sleep better at night, he's an Imperial disguise, so it's all good. Importantly, the things that we are watching, and then a little bit of what I've been collecting. So again, welcome. I did want to first and foremost start off with, um, I did finally go buy Box Lunch a couple weeks ago, and I picked up my Thrawn's Night Trooper Funko Pomp. And I'm really excited about that one. I'm hoping, I know there are a few of them out right now. I'm going to pick up the back of him. Because, let's see, he's number 685. The Star Wars Ahsoka Funko Pops includes 683 Grand Admiral Thrawn, 684 Morgan Elsbeth, 686... Thrawn's Night Trooper, which has the bottom part of the helmet is dark compared to the one I got, 685. That's the, and also the stance is different. I did want to point that out. The one I have is kind of in this attack stance holding a blaster, whereas 686, the Night Trooper with the dark mouthpiece. Uh, It's not cracked open and exposed, unfortunately, which is why I'm still holding out hope that the Night Death Trooper variant will eventually come to form. 687 is Shin Hati, and 688 is Balon Scroll. So I'm really excited to add this one to my pile. And I did, of course... Because it was also a box lunch exclusive, and it is my first Lord of the Rings Funko Pop, uh, the glow in the dark Sauron. Because why the fuck not? Uh, is <laughs> my only 
Star Wars purchase since we last spoke. Of course, Star Wars podcast day is very rapidly approaching. I did want to start off the episode by mentioning My Life on Exegol is one of many participating in Star Wars podcast day, which occurs on February 7th. If you have X and or Instagram, you can follow the hash uh, the hashtag SWPD2024 or Star Wars Podcast Day on there, as well as the profile at Star Wars Pod Day, which is run by Daniel. This will be our second year participating in that, and I'm very excited to be a part of that and be introduced to a lot of new faces, which participating last year was kind of a turning point for me. So again, Star Wars podcast day coming up, go check it out and see many, many more participating. But I did want to start this podcast and jump on and also mention that I have been, and I don't know why I do this to myself, this is not the first time, I am listening to and technically reading three books at the same time right now. (laughs) Two on audio, one, I am physically reading Annihilation. I swear to God, I am within 100 pages of finishing that book. I should freaking finish that, but um, around the new year and around my birthday, I was thinking about my Audible credits, and rather than burning a credit on a book that I can check out for free uh, electronically through Libby, the e-library, aka local library, I decided to look at a rather quick read because I, I wanted... A little bit of a break from Old Republic, which I have at times found suffocating. I've been very open and candid with this because I've been on this reading journey for what seems like an eternity. But the last, I've spent more of my journey in the Old Republic being bogged down, bouncing back and forth between comics and books. I do think that once I clear Knight Errant and Banes, I'm hoping to get a stretch of where I'm just in the comics. I There are definitely a lot of books out there that I want to read. But I ended up finding on Libby the Ahsoka book by E.K. Johnston. And it is a very quick read. I am... At the first hour point, which encompasses the first five chapters. And so that's what I wanted to go over today. But it is only a seven hour total read. And that is definitely very attainable. I'm off today and tomorrow. So I wanted to enjoy a little bit of a reprieve from Old Republic. And spend a couple of episodes going into Star Wars Podcast Day talking about the Ahsoka book. Now, 
This book had popped onto my radar when the Ahsoka series came out a year ago. And I was interested in, and this is something that I often find myself fascinated with, stuff that teases at a period of time that we have not really seen play out in the big screen. I know the Ahsoka series is kind of its own chartering Ahsoka post-Rebels. But this one definitely um, to kind of set this to set to where Ahsoka is in this. It is roughly a year, only a year, since Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi Order and from Anakin. Anakin, Order 66 has already happened. Uh, Anakin obviously has already become Vader, which Ahsoka does seem aware of this. To an extent, anyway. But I wanted to explore a character that I probably would not ordinarily look into. Um, I will mention that Ashley Eckstein also narrates this, which makes it even more enjoyable. Ashley is actually one of the other guests that was also recently announced for GalaxyCon taking place here in Richmond. Uh, the weekend of St. Patrick's weekend, March here in Richmond at the Greater Richmond Convention Center. Ashley was actually just announced a couple weeks ago. And even though I got a chance to meet Ashley this past year, I think reading the Ahsoka novel that actually allows me to have a conversation with her about her character. And this is very much a tipping of the hat, so to speak, to her because not only of her generosity and everything that she has done for the fandom, let alone female fans, she enjoys being Ahsoka so much and it shows in how she interacts with Star Wars fans and how she just in the first few chapters that I've done in this book. Now I will, I do want to say, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I am going to put a break in here before I get started in the chapters. Um, the very opening sequence of this Mandalore's on fire and she confronts Maul. I'm not going to lie, I almost stopped because hearing Ashley Eckstein voice Maul was when you're so attached to hearing a voice portray a certain character, not, I was like, oh my God, that is Ashley Eckstein pretending to be Maul. Now, in my head, trying to hold on and it's like, Holly, don't give up. Don't give up. It's going to get better. But when they start fighting, 
she voices Maul's character. And I was like, ooh, it, for me, it was difficult because in the far recesses of my mind, I am hearing Sam Witwer instead. <laughs> I feel terrible for saying that, but you know, I, the dark side, I am, I have a very tender spot for, and you know, um, I will always burn the Sith flame, but <laughs> Ashley Eckstein voicing Maul was a little bit of a trip for me. And so I just want to put that out there into the ether that um, I'm glad I got through the introduction because I almost, um, I almost found myself questioning what did I get myself into? And that is in zero shape or form any slight towards Ashley because Ashley narrating it as Ahsoka and the other characters so far I don't mind but her voicing Maul I found myself pulling back just a tad because I'm I I am so Maul is one of those characters that is definitely a top villain for me but also hearing Sam Witwer voice him in the um, animated stuff that that for me is 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 that's mall. So I'm gonna go ahead, put in a break here, and get us set up for some Ahsoka review. So sit tight. All right. So as I stated previously, this, or at least the audiobook of this, is seven hours total, and it is narrated by Ashley Eckstein, which you could not ask for a better guide on a book about a character that we have come to know and love her for. I wanted to, before I get too deep into this, is to go and look up the book and read the summary. Do, do, do. Shopping. Sure. Is it? Because <laughs> I'm trying to look and see. It's only 384 pages. This book was published October 3rd, 2017. And the summary on this is finally her story will be told following her experiences with the Jedi and the devastation of Order 66. Ahsoka is unsure she can be part of a larger whole ever again. But her desire to fight the evils of the Empire and protect those who need it will lead her right to Bail Organa and the Rebel Alliance. So... Now that I know this book 
has been out for a little while, I think it is probably now safe to say that I can see this being even a little bit of a preface to the Ahsoka series that we saw last year. I think back to particularly the flashbacks that she has in the series, especially her connection with Anakin. And that I find particularly interesting because the book does, in the very few chapters we're about to go over, I see a lot of kind of how Sabine was feeling after Ezra disappeared. I see a lot of that behavior with Ahsoka in this novel and her connection to the Force. There's a lot of references to that, things that she does or people that she pretends to speak to that are no longer there. Um, this, it's interesting. And once I got over the introduction and hearing Ashley voice Maul, um, I was able to kind of really, uh, get focused on the story being about Ahsoka. So, (laughs) excuse me, without further ado, I already touched on the opening starts off with a memory that Ahsoka has about being on Mandalore while it's burning and how she's there with an army and Anakin, she's not Anakin's apprentice anymore. And she's chasing after Maul and how her former master warned her to be careful and how dangerous he was. She eventually finds Maul waiting for her. He's got the prosthetic legs. Doesn't mention which ones. Apparently she's not a commander anymore either, but she is still respected. And when, right as she gets ready to fight Maul, I do find it funny. There's this half of a Sith jab or taunt that Ahsoka is just completely in her emotions and really goes after Maul. Chapter one is a different tone. And we are celebrating Empire Day. The new Empire has only a year old. However, the memory we were introduced to in the opening is how Ahsoka chooses to remember quote-unquote Empire Day. She's assumed the name Ashla and is living in the Outer Rim on or in a place and if there are parts of the story that I'm going to have to try and find a physical copy because I'm not 100% if I spelled or I'm about to pronounce these right. 
I even listened to a couple of them a few times and I still couldn't feel like I could hear the name of, of some of these people and places properly. So bear with me. But Ahsoka is living in the Outer Rim on a place called the Beska. Living next to the Hardys, who are her noisy and nosy neighbors. They have four girls who are hollering for Ahsoka. At first, she's pretend she's not home. The Fardies run shipping in this area almost entirely. One of the girls mentions to Ashla that her dad has guests who want to meet new people. And even though Ahsoka has been on Thabeska for a year, she is still considered new. The parade's getting ready to take place as well as a flyby. So she tells the girls to go ahead and save her a seat while she cleans up. Ahsoka's decided that it is time to leave. So with the streets deserted and the parade taking place a few blocks over, she starts to skirt along here. She's stopped by two Imperials who ask her what she's doing. And she says that she was out on the flats early this morning and lost track of time, but she's on her way to the parade. They seem to buy her story, and Ahsoka keeps going. She runs along the tops of the houses to the shipyard, where she manages to spot a small freighter in the back. Meanwhile, Ahsoka goes into a little bit of detail how she managed to get by being here as a tinker and a mechanic. She only has a blaster with her. And there are at least 20 stormtroopers in the shipyard. Now, in her head... She's analyzing how Anakin would have handled this and how Obi-Wan would have handled this. So she decides to turn her blaster into a bomb. And kind of has this, I don't want to say coming to Jesus moment, but she says to herself, and kind of beats herself up over uh, when she's going to be able to admit that she's on her own. Even though she thinks about Obi-Wan and Anakin often. Her blaster explodes, which the distraction works. The stormtroopers go to check out the distraction. 
Ahsoka safely reaches the freighter. And as she's getting ready to take off, she says to herself, to the Farties who were her neighbors, thanking them for the ship and has absolutely no idea where she's going to go next. Chapter 2, Ahsoka makes it to a place called Rayada Spaceport. She did some modifications to the ship, so it's not easy to spot where she got it from while she was in transit. When she lands on Rayada, she notices how there's a lot of green and growing and immediately starts looking for a place to stay. So she decides to head for the outskirts. She sees three places, one of them being next to a cantina, and deems that too busy and too noisy, especially in the evening. Another place did not have a roof. And lastly, the third she stands in front of, and a girl comes up to her and confirms that no one is living inside and that it is, in fact, abandoned. And so Ahsoka asks the little girl, or asks the girl, why is it abandoned? And the girl says to her that Sietra got married and moved out. The little, or not the little girl, at first she sounds like she's little, but she's actually an older teenager. Caden asks Ahsoka if she's there for the harvest, and Ahsoka admits she's not much of a farmer, but she does repair droids and other mechanicals. The girl offers to let everyone know that she's there, and to bring her by some work. She does notice that the girl also has a limp, and Ahsoka starts getting to work cleaning her new house. She does notice quite a bit of dirt and grease, and does manage to find a panel behind or near the shower to stash what credits she does have and her blaster. She, once she gets the house clean, while she's got a vacuum droid or whatever going on on the floor she decides to meditate on her bed and she remarks how different the force feels we know that Ahsoka's already walked away from the Jedi and she admits that there's a darkness to her meditations that was not there before that she does not like. 
she knows that there's something there, but can't make it out. The presence of Anakin is completely gone. And she can't feel him or the others anymore. She takes a little bit of a look around and notices that the fields are mostly harvested. She notices stone and caves, some large animals in her meditations. And then she senses boots walking towards her. Her new neighbors are home from work. Chapter 3, Caden shows up to Ahsoka's early the next morning and brings her her first job, broken pieces of a thresher. Ahsoka starts to ask her what went wrong with it and what it was used for so that way she can better know how to fix it. And Caden tells her that the droid became self-aware and objected to its purpose. And thankfully to Caden's quick thinking in her boots, I guess she was able to do something to it, but instead she woke up in medical. So there is a gap. In what actually happened, which pretty sure we'll probably find out the rest of the story later. She's going to be allowed to return to work in a few days. Caden, <laughs> excuse me, Caden admits to her that the previous night or the night before. The girl had wondered why Ahsoka was there. And Ahsoka asks her where she can get tools. And is her ship okay that she arrived there with the ship? Caden kind of, I wouldn't say outright discourages her from getting tools, but instead pays her with food. And advises Ahsoka that her ship, as long as it's locked up, should hopefully be okay. And that her sister is good at making locks. The thresher seems to be functioning again. And Caden offers to reimburse her with rations. Ahsoka accepts this, however, tells Caden that next time we'll negotiate, and Caden brings in a crate of food to last Ahsoka a month. Ahsoka has a Order 66 memory, and remarks how she's lucky to have survived. She received the warning not to return to Coruscant and saw the temple burn. 
Ahsoka decides to leave this new dwelling of hers on Raida and have a look around and wishes she had a lock on her door, even though she does not have much. She decides she's going to go to the freighter she took from Thebesca to see if there are any tools. When she gets to the ship, she does notice a couple of, I think, silver rings on the panel. But she had actually... When she first landed, she had actually taken those off the panel. But she didn't really get a good look around the ship when she first landed there. I like how she also mentions that she still talks to R2 even though he's not there. And she decides to go scout the caves on foot potentially a better vantage point and a place to hide if she needs it. She does deem that traveling around in the freighter would be a little too dangerous and draw too much attention. Chapter 4, Ahsoka's having a look around, finds a cave that has a good vantage point of the spaceport, The only trouble with where she is, is water. And she notices the broken shelf inside the cave. And uses the two rings that she took off the panel from inside her freighter to help put the shelf back up. She also hides the leftover metal pieces from Caden's thresher that she did not use to fix it under a rock and deems that this cave will be one of possibly many, but this one will be the one that she spends her, puts her main attention to. Meanwhile, at work, Caden's thresher is working even better than before. And her boss, Tabola, asks her who fixed the thresher. Caden mentions to Tabola that she doesn't know the name, but that she moved into Sietra's old place. Her sister, Mira, who is 14, is also three years younger than her, is there with her. Tabola mentions something about having this mystery mechanic fix something for him. And Caden does remark when her sister's asking her about this new friend of hers, you know, starts asking her questions and Caden's like, you know what? 
I spent quite a bit of time with her the last couple days. And we didn't really talk about her. She didn't really talk about herself a whole lot, but we did talk about Rayada a lot. The leader of her crew, work crew, Vartan, is also with her. Tabola decides he's going to go introduce himself to Caden's new friend. However, Caden decides that she's going to go warn her friend first. And the horn sounds, lunch is over at work. Lastly, now, moving through pretty quickly, like I said earlier, the book's only seven hours long in audio form. The first few chapters, or this fifth one that I'm about to cover, already puts me at least an hour and 16 minutes into the seven-hour novel, with the fifth chapter being the longest. Um, But for so far... The pacing of the story is moving along. I'm going to wait to give any thoughts and opinions on what we've covered so far after I go over this fifth and final chapter today. We are inside the cantina on Rayada which I believe is called Saldez. Caden has taken Ahsoka to the cantina for dinner, and Ahsoka immediately regrets this, wishing that there was someplace quieter. Her sister Mira is there as well, and Ahsoka remarks about her curly hair, introduces herself as Ashla, All of people there with Caden were all human except one. Vartan being the oldest, who's in his 40s. Ahsoka remarks how she doesn't understand how hair works, but know that men tend to be a little sensitive about it. A Celestian woman named Maylad in her early 30s. After she was introduced, she had to leave for home to go feed her kids. And Maylad reminds Ahsoka of Master Plo. Lastly, there in the cantina with them are the twins, Hoven and Nira, who were very blunt in asking Ashla Questions. The crew there inform Ashla that Tabola is a mean drunk. And for some reason, this admission reminds Ahsoka of. Barris Offrey's betrayal and how it hurt 
tampering with Ahsoka's own choices. Lastly, at the cantina, we meet Selda, who happens to also be a Togruta, but is male. And when he sees Ashla, he immediately smiles. Caden tells Ashla about the farming accident because Ashla notices a left arm prosthetic. I think it's only up to his elbow, if I remember correctly. But he works there in the cantina. And Ahsoka is just looking at Zelda and gets a little fixated on the prosthetic. <coughs> they ask her about her parents. And Ahsoka Caden starts asking her, between Caden and Mira, they start asking her a bunch of questions in front of the group. And Ahsoka makes a comment about eating wherever and what we could. Caden admits that her and Mira's parents died in an accident, the same accident in which Zelda got injured. And she was 14 when it happened. So she was Mira's age when it happened. So she is now, I believe, 17 or 18 because she's a couple years older than Mira. They have been on Raeda since they were, or since she was four. Barton agreed to take her on because of her circumstances and eventually would take on her sister Mira later on. <coughs> Ahsoka also mentions that when the table, or excuse me, when Caden flips the tables on her asking her about her parents, she at first gets quiet, but then says that she doesn't remember her parents well. And then hesitates and abruptly says that she was adopted, hoping that nobody, with the noise in the cantina, that nobody will notice that, how she answered that. A song comes on and a lot of people get up to go dance. And Zelda takes this opportunity to talk to Ahsoka, but only loud enough to where she can hear. And she is surprised by his kindness. He asks her if she's set up okay here. Apparently, I'm not sure what all's going on here, but I'm definitely getting a little Togruta here 
between the two of them. But Ahsoka kind of has this, I don't, I don't think she says this to Zelda, but she has this um, kind of internal monologue about Palpatine not being afraid to step on old allies when Zelda brings up that there is a influx of non-humans venturing out. And Ahsoka immediately says to him that I'm not running from anything that specific. That she just wants to be somewhere quiet. Zelda, however, seeming very serious, says if something changes to let him know. And that to go talk to Varton, that he is tight-lipped if he needs help. We kind of go to a different person in place in the story, but still in the same chapter. Jenneth Pilar is flying in space. Pre-Empire, he used to link goods to buyers. Now, he manages to find more Imperial channels for his talents. Jenneth knows the pathway of supplies and does not mind destruction or blood as long as he gets paid. The Empire has tasked Jenneth with looking for a planet to use for food production. Preferably one with a small planet that no one would miss. So he finds a solution and transmits this to his Imperial contact. This business relationship he has with the Empire has definitely proved profitable and provides stability for him. However, he was hoping for a little bit more pull and power, but it's still early in the relationship, so he's decided to play the long game. And he transmits his selection of Raida. Back down on the ground, Ahsoka is thinking about what Zelda said to her earlier in the cantina. And she begins to wonder why she survived and the other Jedi did not. And ultimately, it was because she walked away from them. She works on Tabola's Thresher. And then the transition into this flashback is a little confusing because right after they say that she's working on Tabola's Thresher, they say something about her looking down at a grave. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So apparently she's having a flashback looking down at the grave of what is supposed to be Rex. 
She's thinking about what happened to the clones and how it was much worse. And just how alone she feels in the Force. Maul managed to escape Mandalore because Ahsoka chose to save Rex instead. Apparently she was on Mandalore when Order 66 happened, but her name is still definitely on a list of traitors or people, a hunt list. Ahsoka is holding on to her lightsabers that Anakin gave her. And she decides to bury her lightsabers with the man that should be there in the ground, Rex. Apparently, Rex's death was faked as well as his burial. He was already gone. They had an agreement to separate and head to the Outer Rim. Leaving behind her buried lightsabers should convince them that she too could also more likely be dead. And she obviously can't say she's a Jedi anymore. The only place that makes sense to her right now is the pilot seat. And that is the end of our first five chapters tonight. Again, I have to say that the story does seem to be moving along at a decent pace. I do want to, and I don't know how to really say this, the novel and this is also my first time reading E.K. Johnston. So I'm not too familiar with her style. The book to me does, how do I say it? Does have or does feel a little juvenile for me. However, it's covering a time period that I very much want to know more about. And I think that after seeing the Ahsoka series, having seen Clone Wars and Rebels and seeing Ahsoka's arc and all of that, I definitely have a lot of respect for her character. Now, I want to say that assuming that this book is taking place bef obviously before she links where we find her in probably even the Mandalorian series when she pops up and also before the Ahsoka series, she seems to be pretty strong in the Force. And she does seem to have quite a connection with Anakin. Now, obviously that will come in time. But she does very much seem very lost and detached. 
and there is a sense of normalcy to her life. She only has a blaster with her. She doesn't have very much at all. She doesn't have her lightsabers. She does tend to wear some sort of hood to try and cover up her leku a little bit. And I don't know. It just, the Ahsoka in this definitely does, if I'm going to put a word to it, definitely feels very fragile. Obviously, this is still fairly close to Order 66 and the new Empire and leaving behind the Jedi and Anakin. It's very fresh. And it's interesting, I get the sense kind of almost how Obi-Wan was in the beginning of the Obi-Wan series, how he had kind of cut himself off from the Force, whereas, interestingly enough, Ahsoka's trying to meditate, but the Force feels different to her. She can't sense or feel or connect to things like she used to. So I'm curious where the story goes. I do like having Ashley as the narrator. I just, her doing the mall voice is a little weird for me. But so far, I should definitely be able to finish this up in the next day or two. I'm going to try and read a little bit more tonight in the next uh, next day or two. I should be able to easily finish this before the book gets auto-returned. but. Let me know what you think so far. I'm curious if anybody else has read this and and kind of your thoughts on it, if anybody's read it or read any of E.K. Johnston's other books. There is an ease to it. Um, the um, The only thing I've noticed, and it's not just the Ahsoka book, it kind of happens a little bit in some of the other books that we've reviewed, but the transition from story to someone else's part and the story to a flashback, they tend to get a little muddy. So it's not just an Ahsoka thing. I will admit that listening to it in audio, there are sound effects to this. And so I think for me, I think that's the other thing that This is the first audio book that I've read that has sound effects to it. And I think, I don't know if that's what's throwing me off a little bit. And that's why I struggled with it from time or feel like I'm struggling with it. Part of me almost feels like I'd prefer not to have the sound effects with it. But I guess, you know, for some people, it's easier to really feel like you're watching it on the screen because you're hearing it. Not only the story, but you're hearing the sound effects. So the only thing you're not, it kind of makes you feel like you're seeing the story play out. So I get it, but it's just, it's definitely a new thing for me. Next time, we're going to go over the next few chapters. And thank you again for joining me. I hope you guys have enjoyed.
our first episode reviewing Ahsoka. Until next time, my friends, as always, may the Force be with you.